Welcome to We Fish ASA, the best darn fishing show on the radio, the internet, and the entire USA. I'm Steve Sarley. My partner's Dave Kranz. We Fish ASA is always pleased to offer you a conversation with the most interesting, the most informative, the most entertaining, as well as some of the biggest names in the world of fishing. We Fish ASA is brought to you by the proud industry members of the American Sport Fishing Association, in particular St. Croix, the best rods on earth. Calcutta, makers of the line of products that fit your fishing lifestyle and passion, and Daiwa. We've got your bass covered. Boy, they sure do. Daiwa Reels. We Fish ASA presents a new episode of our one-hour podcast each and every week. It's available wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to check out our website, wefishasa.com. We Fish ASA is produced by Brad Neerman, our executive producer from Berserk Productions down in Lando Lakes, Florida. Hey, Bradley, how you doing? On today's show, we welcome Dan Johnston from St. Croix. Dave's going to visit with Michelle Jalaba. She's with USA Bass. She won the ICAST Cup down in Orlando at the big ICAST show. She is on the USA Bass fishing team and will be fishing in the championships. We'll talk to her about that. I get to visit with a young gun, one of the hottest names in the world of professional bass fishing, and believe it or not, an ex-bullfighter. Yeah, this guy's a rodeo cowboy. Gave that up to do the professional fishing thing. A lot safer, hopefully a lot more lucrative. This guy is the goods, Dakota Ebear. But first, let me flip it over to Dave Kranz, who's going to bring out our friend, Dan Johnson. Take it away, David. As Steve said, I am Dave Kranz. This is the We Fish ASA podcast, and this segment is brought to you by St. Croix, the best rods on earth, and they always bring us Dan Johnston. How you doing, Dan? Doing great, Dave. I'm glad to hear that. You know, it's fall. Things are getting cooler, wetter, windier. You know, we had such a nice August and early September, and uh, starting to feel like fall in the air. I know you don't mind that because you also love the bow hunt. It's another passion equal to fishing. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm, I become kind of a split personality this time of year, man. I want to be on the water, but then I'm thinking about the right wind and moon phases for whitetails. So, yeah, living in Iowa, that's what happens to you. Absolutely. So we're going to talk about fall fishing and everything that goes along with it. Uh, I, I think you could argue that it, it's possibly the best time of the year to catch them. I think numbers, I would agree 100%. And I think that's bait driven, Dave. Um, you know, I think they, you, we all know they school up and people always say they go on a, you know, pre-winter feed. And I think all those things are true. I think the important thing is to understand why that is. And a lot of it's how bait behaves. And specifically, I, I can only speak for me uh, when asked that question, but I'm laser focused on shad living in the Midwest. And I know those, those listeners in the South are more looking at thread thin. I'm looking at more gizzard shad, mm -hmm. uh, which are a completely different shad. Uh, gizzard shad get a lot bigger and live shallower. Um, but generally speaking, that's where my focus is because the shad, uh, they make a shallow move in the fall. Uh, when that water gets, you know, 60-ish, they really get stacked up all the way down to where a lot colder than people realize, and then they'll pull. But if we find them, we'll find the predator fish and I'm talking about all species really uh, maybe with the exception of bluegill, uh, but copy certainly chase them while I chase them bass, chase them and I could go catfish, chase them. I could go on and on, you know, and, and I think there's some visual indicators for us when that starts to happen, when they start 
you know, seagulls start following your boat down the lake here at home uh, is a sign that the shad are schooling up and getting, getting in the water column and all those things. So my focus goes to shad and the baits fall right in line with that. I'll still flip a black blue jig and a brown jig till the cows come home because they seem to always bite it. But a lot more swim jigs, a rigs, swim baits, jerk baits, spinner baits could go on and on. And those are shad imitations. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and they're they're feeding and they're eating those. And uh, how about the the fact that uh, there's so much sometimes with the leaves falling, debris in the water? Um, are there are there things that you can do to minimize that? Well, leaves are tough. You know, I deal with lakes where people use leaf blowers and blow them on the bank yeah. and, and they stack up and that can be obviously tough, you know, but, uh, you know, it kind of is what it is. Uh, wind, wind moves that stuff around a lot. Something you got to just kind of work around, but it's always encouraging to me because I know that time of year when I've got that debris, specifically leaf cover um, or dying vegetation too, you know, that, that sort of thing. I also know that, shad feed on debris right so as things start to decompose and lay down in shallow water so one of the reasons especially those bigger shad get into feed on certain things that they have in the fall that they don't have the rest of the year and so that's a good thing to me uh when i start seeing stuff like that i also know that my predator fish are going to be a lot shallower yeah do you uh at that time uh still continue to use a frog on that debris when you have some of it floating even if it's only two three feet off the bank does that is that since they're going that shallow is that something you you do yeah you know it's funny you ask that because a frog can imitate a lot of things and a lot of people say it's a frog and obviously it is but they're not a hundred percent sure what that is if you're working on you know and as evidenced by some of the frog style baits that are designed to look like a bluegill with the plastic hollow with the hookup, same thing. So, you know, a a lot of times that bass is in there feeding. In my opinion, shad in the fall, Uh, but it doesn't mean they won't blow up on a frog either because anything moving around in there that they're going to predate on, they'll take the the crawdad in there and, and everything as well. But I still think the main move that they make in most and I would say this largely across the country too. That fall move, a couple things happen. The, sh- the shad specifically go shallower, and they school up big time. So the mouths of creeks, creek channel bends, primary points they get wind blown, and people talk about why they're catching fifteen bass or crappie on one spot. A lot of that's because the shad are in there in numbers. And I've said this before, Dave, on podcasts in the fall. I'm looking for bait way more than I'm looking for fish, 100%. Uh, if I'm using my forward-facing or side imaging or visual aids, I'm looking for schools of bait, um, and then I go fishing for what I know is probably going to be there after them. That's not necessarily true in the summer. For me, I'm more looking for targets and fish themselves that I'm trying to catch. But fall, I'm bait-driven, a thousand percent. Uh, on the bait, uh, uh using the the location of the bait to locate the fish because they're coming from, uh, and I have no scientific evidence on which weeds die first or not, but it seems like in the fall, the, the whichever areas are holding the last green weeds also seem to have the bait and the fish are there because of that. You just explained why they're there, but, but, um, I, I don't know, uh, which weeds die first, or if maybe it's the angle of the sun and they die in different parts of the lake first. But uh, what about green weeds in the fall? 
Well, if you can find the remaining, we have, you know, you know, I've spoke about healthy water a thousand times. I said that a couple of times to a guy in the boat a couple of weeks ago. I'm like, man, this water looks healthy. And five minutes later, we started catching them where a lot of the lake, it was not. Uh, you can tell by just looking at the weeds. But, you know, to that point, they'll definitely relate to those. Um, but in the fall, I see a lot of crappies moving to heavy wood. Uh, they'll move to rock. Uh, so the weed thing, while it's great, as long as you have good weeds, again, I'm bait driven and, and you can have a cove that doesn't have a weed in it. And if it's got big shed, it, there'll be fish all over them because they're really starting to target them. You know, I, I think your bluegills definitely like to stay in the weeds as long as they possibly can. Crappies do too. So do bass. But, but again, in the fall, and I've talked about wood before where you got that spindly, spinally little stuff that they really love in the spring, hard bottoms. They love to bed up around that and feed on small bait fish around them. But in the fall, for me, I'm targeting much heavier, heavier targets, whether it's boat docks or heavier limbs or big chunk rock, just as much or more than, I'm, more than I am weeds, Dave. Okay. Now, you've said it, we, we do a fall segment about once a year because it's that time of year, and, and that's what we're trying to educate people on. It sounds like in the past that you have said that the, you, you really can't throw a bait that's too big in the fall. Well, I think the bait fish, number one, the size is bigger, especially gizzard shad. They get really big. In some cases, I would argue too big for a bass to eat, you know, with generally speaking, you know, shad can get 15, 16 inches long. Mm. Uh, now, it, it, a lot of those, those ones that are six to 10 inches long are just, I mean, you can imagine uh, for a four pound largemouth, that's nothing. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, I'm throwing my biggest baits in the fall for sure. Throwing them super shallow. I'm throwing my biggest crappie baits in the fall. Um, I don't necessarily have to work about worry about verticality that much because the water's not so cold that they're just coming up to get it. They're still chasing. They're still horizontal in their feeding windows. And it's just, I, it's my favorite time of year to fish. I'm not a big bed fisherman. I I can catch them, but I don't like to do it. I'd rather, I, fall is great, and you got to get out the crankbaits again. Here's the best thing I could say, and this this gets taught to me all the time, even to this day. I, I get proven wrong on trying to go back to history and finding things I was catching in the summer with real well. But anything I'm throwing in the fall, generally speaking, I'm trying to imitate a shad as much as I possibly can, with the exception of that jig that they just seem to always bite. Yeah, no, that's good advice. How about, uh, is there any weather uh, patterns that don't particularly work in the fall, or is that kind of thrown out the window because they're they're following bait? I think that's a one time of year, in my opinion, where you can catch them in really all water conditions. You know, we've, in weather conditions, obviously that cold front, high pressure, you know, rising barometer deal can be tough no matter what time it is. But I guess the point I'm trying to make is super clean water is lethal in the fall. Dirty water is really lethal, especially when it's like on the bass side. Go to colored blades on a spinnerbait or a chartreuse with a black back on a crankbait and throw it so shallow you feel like you're going to be digging with it. I'm um, talking about a real shallow square bill. And that, that try to bang it off heavy limbs and you know so a uh, weather to me in the fall i just want to go fishing because one thing shad don't seem to do easily is push out of real shallow water in the fall they're just there you can go down there on a cloudy day and it's raining and it's cold and you'll see the little ripples back in there in the coves and those fish know that and they just seem to be really keyed on them it's a it's a unique time of year, but it's it's the time of year where, man, if I didn't have a bow in my hand in November, I'd be fishing as much as I possibly could here in Iowa. How about speed on a bait? Is that real critical or you just vary it to see what they want? 
I, I like to watch the bait. You know, there's times you'll see them flitting out of the water. There's, there's a lot of tells. There's, and that's a great point because there are there are barometric and weather conditions, in my opinion, that make shad act differently. Even though they're they're in the same location, they could be back in the neck down part of a cove, getting ready to get real shallow, and they're there, but they're acting different. Your electronics can tell you that. Sometimes on the perfect day, you can kind of see them flying out of the water and and that kind of thing. And obviously, that gives me a faster cadence, covering more water. I'm going to blades or an a rig or a jerk bait, something faster. So other days, they're just kind of sitting there, and it does doesn't mean the fish aren't feeding on them but sometimes you just got to slow down and really work an area harder so the shadow kind of give you tells but again and i'll keep going back to this they don't pull very often out of like i've told i've said on this podcast before we've caught them on top water in snowstorms in two foot of water in missouri and that's kind of it's the only reason why that is is those big gizzard chatter in on those rocks always always good information thanks dan i appreciate it and we look forward to talking to you next week Hey, Dave, thanks for always having me. Appreciate that. Oh, no problem. That was Dan Johnston. I am Dave Cran. Steve Sarley is remote. And this segment was brought to you by St. Croix, the best rods on earth. The We Fish ASA podcast will be right back. Rule your water. Rule it with a St. Croix rod. Whether you take to the lake, wade the rivers, or cast from shore, St. Croix provides responsive performance, ensuring your success below every surface. With a St. Croix rod in hand, you're a part of a celebrated tradition that has spanned 70 years. Touch, power, and control are right at your fingertips and extend to you the finest fishing experience on the planet. St. Croix, the best rods on earth. The outdoors is more than just a profession for us here at Big Rock Sports. As avid anglers, hunters, and outdoor enthusiasts, it's our passion. So advocating on behalf of the outdoor sporting goods industry is a top priority for us. Big Rock Sports is proud to serve as the voice and advocate of outdoor sporting goods retailers across the nation. Big Rock Sports works tirelessly to protect our fisheries and anglers' rights. Big Rock Sports, we are here for you. I'm professional angler Kevin Van Dam, and people always ask me, what's the best and easiest way to catch fish? Well, that's simple keep our waterways clean and free of litter. You know, tossing your worn out lures in the lake is not a winning move. Pitch them in the trash. Do your part and join me. Visit keepamericafishing.org and pledge to pitch it. Welcome back to the We Fish ASA podcast. I am Dave Cran. Steve Sarley is remote, and this segment is brought to you by Calcutta, an outdoor company that builds gear and apparel for those with a passion for the outdoors. I always like to say that everybody that I get to interview on this segment has a passion for the outdoors. My next guest certainly does. Uh, she is Michelle Jalaba. Welcome to the program, Michelle. Thank you for having me. Pleasure oh, to be here. No problem. So uh, you're in the fishing world. Uh, give the listeners a little background on yourself and uh, uh, let let our audience know who you are, Michelle. Okay, well, I'm obviously a huge advocate for fishing and, and bass fishing in particular. Um, something that I started halfway through, you know, my, my older years, um, I actually began fishing the FLW Tour when that was still the tour as a co-angler. So I 
really was fascinated with tournament fishing and I wanted to just grow and learn. And the only way that I knew how to do that at the time was to just finance my own education as I saw it by paying to go and fish as a co-angler behind the best of the best anglers out there. Um, you know, it didn't go as expected. Obviously, you're going to have challenges, but that's exactly what the learning process is all about. But in doing that for for three years, um, it really took me to the next level of of tournament fishing. And so I now am have switched over to the pro side, and I have fished for Team USA Bass. Um, and multiple tournaments and the different organizations now for MLF and the uh, Bass Opens. But also, I've just, you know, a huge part of what I do is just influencing and mentoring individuals, um, in particular females, that whether I'm giving a presentation or they really are coming to me, their fathers or their family members or them themselves, just to ask questions or to thank me for, you know, having someone to look up to. So um, that's what I'm doing now. I'm a professional fisherman full time. Now, no, I'm not an elite level pro. And I, you know, I attribute that to the Kevin Van Dams and the people who have won at that elite level, but professional in terms of this is what I do full time for a living. And I'm wanting to, really transfer that more so now into helping others um, to get on board and do the same because it can be, you know, it can be intimidating and there's just so much to gain from it. There is, there's a, and there's a lot of room to get uh, women and kids into our sport. You know, we had the last couple of years of COVID where that actually helped bring more people and more families and more women and into, into the outdoor world and, it was an opportunity because everything else was closed and they couldn't do it. But, but it was a gift, wasn't it? It absolutely was a gift. Um, you know, statistics say that if you don't get out and fish prior to the age of 12, the chances of you ever fishing again in your life go from 91% to about 9%. So in other words, this gave people a chance to, whether it be by force or they had nothing else to do, maybe take their kids out and give them that experience, you know, and that in turn, there's so many positives, but it creates a cellular memory that we as individuals carry on with us forever, you know, and that's something I did when I first went back to fishing and it reminded me of fishing when I was young. And if you ask anybody, what's your greatest memories? And they most likely will start out with, Oh, fishing with my mom or my dad or so this is something that really did help the growth of the sport um, in general and just getting people outdoors. It, yes, it absolutely did, and will continue to. Uh, let's talk about that we both were down in Florida. Uh, I did not get to fish the ICAST Cup this year, but you did. I've, I've done it in the past, and um, this conflict and trying to make life happen yeah. and get down to the, the, the ICAST event at all is, is always uh, challenging, but we, we all do it. Uh, tell us a little yeah. bit about how that went. So that was... Um First of all, I absolutely love, this is the second ICAST Cup qualifier I've fished, and I love fishing with the combination of uh, Major League Fishing, Keep America Fishing, and the USA Bass Group. They're just 
they're so fun and motivating and excited and um, it's a team event and I went with a another individual who she's an angler a great angler who I have never met before Hannah Wesley but I had seen her on media and I really admire her and you know I knew she didn't have um, a partner so I reached out and you know again we've never met she's from Kentucky and I'm from Michigan so we met we agreed, okay, let's do it. Let's fish it. And we met there in Florida and um, we ended up winning the tournament. We had no idea. <laughs> we practiced one day for about four hours because like you said, the schedules, it just gets difficult to mm-hmm. coordinate. Um, but, it, you know, it's always so fun to fish out there and with that group. And we came in thinking, well, you know, we did our best a short time to fish, but we did not know we had won it. And of course we weighed in last. So it was really, really great. Um, and a surprise at the same time. <laughs> it was a yeah, great absolutely. But, but that also, uh, qualified you to, uh, to fish on the USA bass team again, didn't it? Correct. So I, I had been chosen back in 2018 along with multiple others for the first USA Pan Am championship when they decided to launch this organization and so it was kind of cool to come back and then re-qualify even though i'd already been qualified you know it kind of just solidifies everything and makes it legit so it was really rewarding um to be able to do that you know and to earn my spot back this time around so this will put us on the team for the 2023 pan american championship in um it's lake hamilton in hot springs arkansas so that will be again uh september 7th through 10th 2023 there you go have either one of you ever fished at lake hamilton no (laughs) i have not (laughs) i she may have i know i haven't um I, they say that there's more fish per acre than any other lake in Arkansas, so we'll see how that goes. Yep, always fun to go to a new place, and uh, I think that's the challenge for everybody, whether you're going to a new place in a big tournament or whether you're going to a, a new pond with uh, you know a mom taking her son or daughter or, or going yourself. It's always fun to to experience a, a new body of water and figure it out. I, I Personally, I, I like that part of it. Absolutely. I think that's part of it that we all like. And being a northern angler, especially, you know, smallmouth and deep, clear water and structure and offshore is what I'm used to fishing. So it's really fun for me to go down south and pick apart these lakes. And I love the challenge of it. I just love the, the atmosphere is always beautiful um, coming from where I'm from. So it is. That's part of it. You get to just try to figure out the puzzle but it's even more gratifying when you've got the team with you um to do that and like i said these events are so fun because there's this whole team aspect to it all so you're, you're working with a, a group and it's fun to pick apart the lakes when you've got you know those brains helping you out <laughs> yeah, absolutely and, and it's always uh 
you go to somewhere and you try to figure it out. And what's always uh, pretty crazy to me is how good the competitors are that you're fishing against. You're not only trying to fool the fish, you're you're trying to catch more than the next competitors. And these group of anglers, everybody, maybe people that don't fish think, oh, there's some, it, you get lucky and you catch them or you don't. But this group of anglers, go, men and women go anywhere in the country and they catch fish. And it, it, it's because yes. they work really hard at it. It's so true. It's and it's so funny because it is. It's a bass, but in different places, depending on where you are, even north to south, country to country, it's a little bit different. They all are a little bit different, and it was amazing for me to watch and, and impressive to see teams like Canada and uh, Mexico, you know, use the different lures and styles that they use. I mean, you see and learn so much at the same time. And it's so fun to watch everybody. But that's what really it comes down to, you know, you can see the talent and and learning real quick um, the process of elimination and what works, what doesn't work. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, let, let's don't let this get away. Uh, who, who keeps you on the water? Who helps you with this? You've got some sponsors? Absolutely. I... Uh, could not thank enough the people that have given me a platform to to be out there and to represent. And that's Fast Pro Shops, Cabela's, Nitro Boats. I absolutely love my Nitro Boat and my Mercury Marine motor, especially out on Lake St. Clair. So thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Maui Jim and uh, the Bass Tank. The guys at the Bass Tank have been incredible. They're so knowledgeable, especially with all the new technology coming out. Um, so I can't thank enough the team. I call it like my pit crew that I have to support me to be able to even do this. That's, that's a good way to put it. They're a pit crew and they keep, uh, you on the water and they keep you doing what you love and have a passion for. And, uh, uh, that, that's really important. Is there, uh, uh, a site or a page that you use to, for people to, uh, to check out what you're doing and follow you along? Absolutely. I, um, Everything is Michelle Jalaba Fishing. So I've got a website as long as, or as well as my, you know, Facebook, um, Instagram, and you can go on any of those, Michelle Jalaba Fishing, and you will, you know, see what's what's coming up. And I like to I like to keep everybody up to speed on the day to day. I do a lot of local tournaments as well so all the different events excellent excellent well we're going to uh, follow you and see where you end up and are uh, interested in seeing uh, what happens with the usa bass championship next september and uh i appreciate you being on thank you absolutely thank you for having me oh no problem that was michelle jalaba i am dave cran steve sarley is remote and this segment was brought to you by calcutta an outdoor company that builds gear and apparel for those with a passion for the outdoors the we fish asa podcast will be right back the outdoors is more than just a profession for us here at big rock sports As avid anglers, hunters, and outdoor enthusiasts, it's our passion. So advocating on behalf of the outdoor sporting goods industry is a top priority for us. Big Rock Sports is proud to serve as the voice and advocate of outdoor sporting goods retailers across the nation. Big Rock Sports works tirelessly to protect our fisheries and anglers' rights. Big Rock Sports, we are here for you. Calcutta, we're an outdoor coastal trading company that builds gear and apparel for those with a passion for the outdoors. 
Born in the back of a Florida bait-and-tackle shop, Calcutta was created with a rebellious spirit and a goal to offer hard-working outdoor products at a reasonable price. Calcutta builds the products that fit your lifestyle. We're on a mission to help you reclaim your free time and to declare mutiny on the mundane. Depend on Calcutta gear and apparel. Bass anglers have heard it all when it comes to manufacturers having the best casting reel. Well, Daiwa can back it up with the Tatula SV. The Tatula SV has three key features that make it the most versatile casting reel on the market today. The SV spool is a lightweight aluminum spool allowing for long control light lure casting. MAG4Z gives you the option to set a precise casting range no matter what lure or wind situation. The Daiwa T-Wing system reduces line angle and friction when casting. Distance, control, and finesse like no other reel on the market. Tatula, the ultimate finesse long cast system designed by Daiwa. Welcome back to We Fish ASA, the best darn fishing show on the radio or the internet in the entire USA. Please remember that We Fish ASA is brought to you by the proud industry members of the American Sport Fishing Association. Please help to ensure the future of fishing by visiting keepamericafishing.org. And if you're an industry professional, please consider joining the American Sport Fishing Association by visiting asafishing.org. I am Steve Sarley, and I am pleased to introduce you to one of the young guns in the business who's really carving out quite a name for himself. Uh, we've heard his name a lot in the past month or two, uh, and I'm happy to be able to introduce him to you. First time I've spoken to him, first time you'll be listening to him, he is the one and only Dakota Ebear. Hey, Dakota, how are you? Yeah, man, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Hey, do you do you have uh, do you have any particular music they play for you at weigh-ins? I listen to a little bit of everything, but no, this year we actually don't have like walking songs or anything. So uh, no, not not this year. All right, because you know you you would be uh, I if I were picking for you, I would be playing Kid Rock's Cowboy uh, because <laughs> you are an actual cowboy in addition to being a professional fisherman of note you're an honest to goodness cowboy tell us about that yeah well, I mean, that's kind of a previous life for me unfortunately because i just don't get to do it as you know anymore I just can dedicate all my time to trying to be successful in the water in this industry but uh hoping to get back to it again someday that's kind of the end goal and well you know we'll see how it goes but uh no it, it was a a great time, uh, you know, in my life after high school and through college and stuff, and really eventually actually led to me getting some opportunities in the fishing industry through the college uh, fishing program, a college rodeo program. So it's kind of kind of funny how it all came together, but uh, it's it's been a, a really cool experience the last ten years of my life, you know. In, in in rodeo, what what was the event that you specialized in? So I was actually, uh, I rode bulls for a while, but I realized I wasn't real good at that. And, uh, <laughs> hey, what made, what made you make that decision? Well, I kept landing on my head, and I wasn't getting paid a whole lot. So, uh, oh, oh my goodness. Then I, then I figured out that I could, I was actually pretty good at bull fighting, which is, you know, just our jobs typically just distract the bull from the bull rider whenever he gets off and uh, kind of keep him from getting hurt. It's uh efficiently as we could and you know of course things still happen it's a rough sport but uh 
that was uh, what I kind of excelled at and, and really found a niche out in the rodeo world and uh, for a little while there. And, and uh, you know, it was, it was a lot of fun. But that's, that was my gig as rodeo bullfighting. I, I don't want to uh, beat, the, beat the, uh, the rodeo thing to death, but, man, if people don't know this, uh, bull riding is an incredibly popular sport. Uh, they have the championship in Vegas every year. And uh, the, the tickets go for, like, the price of Super Bowl tickets. It is so gosh darn popular. And, and, and it is on TV, and a lot of people have never seen it, uh, have never seen rodeo or, you know, in particular, bull, bull, uh, uh, bull riding, bull fighting. And it's, uh, it's something worth watching. Check it out. Take a minute off of watching Major League Fishing Television and, and check, out, check out the Cowboys on, on the PBR. It's a, it's a cool thing. Hey, you know... You, you look at that. I don't see where it's a hard. I mean, obviously you had talent for for rodeo, but it's a much safer sport to uh, to be in the fishing business. Uh, there, there's a lot less. Although I would think there's other drawbacks too, like uh, expense and time put in. Are, are you committed to fishing right now full time? You're not. Uh, you're not thinking about what your next sport's going to be. No, man. This is kind of, you know, this is what I made a decision uh, to do about, you know, seven years ago. I was graduating from college, and I kind of had a decision to make. Was it, you know, am I going to pursue the rodeo industry and, uh, you know, keep going in that direction, or do I want to pursue the opportunities that were in front of me at the time in the fishing industry? And I, I, I walked away from it, and I really haven't been around it much since, honestly. And it, like I said, it doesn't bother me at times, but if you're going to be really good at something, you've got to dedicate yourself to it and give it everything you have. And you know, there is some similarities between the two industries as far as work ethic and mental attitude and just not taking no for an answer. And, you know, if you want to do something, working as hard as you can to be successful at it. And I think I applied a lot of that kind of rodeo mentality to the fishing industry. And I think it's allowed me to be successful just from working hard and, and uh, you know, not being afraid to travel a bunch and, and uh, you know, kind of give it everything you've got. You know, I just... I'm not the type of person that is going to, you know, do something halfway. If I'm, I decide I'm going to do it, I want to do it to the best of my abilities with everything I've got. And that's kind of what I did with the fishing industry. And uh, it's, been a, it's been a really good, you know, last few years, you know. And, and, and you are doing that. And I must say that uh, I'm, I'm proud to hear you say that, that you went to college because, you know, we always, we always promote that. And I always try to ask guys that. So, the, the, the people listening are of the, that are of that age continue on with school. It's an important thing. What has college done for you to help further your fishing career? Really, it really did a lot, honestly. Uh, you know, I started fishing tournaments right out of high school, just locally around South Louisiana. I didn't really have any avenue or opportunity financially or anything like that to pursue it at, an, at the next level. You know, you fast forward a few years, I'm going to school in Texas, um, working on my bachelor's degree at Tarleton State University, and, you know, that's when I started fishing at the college level and, you know, going to college events, meeting people within the industry, getting connections within the industry, and things started really moving in the right direction. But, you know, aside from that, you know, just having that education, having that fallback plan, you know, I was fortunate enough to get two degrees in the two years I went to school, so I have a couple of fallback options if I was ever to you know, need to, to, you know, go get a good job somewhere. And, um, you know, if, you know, you just never know what's going to happen. If, if hard times are coming, 
myself in the fishing industry and I, I needed to go get a job or something, I have an education to fall back on. So that's somewhat of an insurance plan for sure, you know, and I, I recommend that, you know, especially for a young guy like I was or like I am, you know, coming right out of high school, going into college, like, you know, you, no one really knows kind of the cards you're going to be dealt and how things are going to go until you get into it. So having a backup plan, I think, was, you know, a very important part of me being able to take that chance and, you know, try to see if I could make a living fishing. Yeah, and and you're doing that. How old are you now, Dakota? Just turned 30, not too long ago. Just to throw, you turned into an old man. Look at that. I feel like it. <laughs> you feel a lot more like it if you're still getting thrown off of bulls. Uh, it, 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 that makes it uh, getting beat up with a couple foot waves probably doesn't feel like nothing at all after some of the stuff that you've gone through. But, you know, you, you got out of college, you decided to get into fishing. What was your, you, you have fished both? Major League Fishing and Bassmaster, what was your first move? How did you decide what you wanted to get into as far as circuit? Yeah, like throughout college, I kind of fished evenly between Bass and FLW at the time. And, you know, I, I, I've never had, I've never been, you know, on the, you know, there's a lot of politics involved in this and that. I, I've, I've always just wanted to fish, and I, so I went, and I'm, you know, Every time I you know, get a chance to be on the water in a tournament, it's an opportunity to get better. But it just worked out, you know, really well that you know, FLW and now Major League Fishing at the time, they have a lot of events for a lot of different, you know, they just have so many events all over the country, opportunities for different anglers in different regions that that really kind of, you know, is what struck my interest. At the time, I was living in Texas. I actually moved to Sam Rayburn after graduating, and there was, uh, you know, a full BFL schedule right there between Rayburn and Toledo Bend. There were several Toyota Series events and stuff within, you know, a couple hours of driving time. So being able to fish all those events, and it just kind of flowed together, and that's what eventually led to me qualifying for the FLW Tour, and then from the FLW Tour, now the Bass Pro Tour, um, you know, with Major League Fishing. So that was kind of my transition as to how I decided what I was going to fish. I just want – I looked at the schedules, and – and looked at the payouts and, and, you know, stuff like that. And, you know, that's kind of the reason why I went the direction I did. It's not anything other than that, really, you know. It, it, is, it is definitely a good choice. Definitely a good choice on, on, on your part. And, and everybody, uh, there's a lot of different rule change. There's a lot of different uh, rule differences between the circuits. And, uh, you know, I, most people would say right off hand, and not necessarily true, Ma Major League Fishing is the catch as many legal fish as you can in a day. They all count. And, and the Bassmaster rules are, are the biggest five fish in the box or what makes it to the, the weigh-in. Uh, did that affect your decision at all, is uh, deciding which of the rule systems fit your game the best? No, not really at all. Honestly, I never even thought about that in a, in a sense. I, you know, I, I just want to be fishing. I, I'm a pretty simple guy. I enjoy being outdoors and I, you know, if I have an opportunity to make a living doing something I love, that being fishing, I don't really, you know, you just tell me the rules, you tell me where the lake is and I'll be there, you know, and that's kind of my mentality on it. I don't really put a lot of thought into that. You know, this year I'm, Obviously, I fished the Tackle Warehouse Pro Circuit, which is the same type format that the Bassmaster Elite Series uh, follows. So it's, you know, 
big five, you know, catch the heaviest five fish you, you know, can, weigh those in. Um, and then I also fish the Bass Pro Tour, which is catch, weigh, release. And honestly, there's absolutely, I have not approached any event this year, with, no matter the rules, no matter the format, any differently than the other. And, and I just show up, you know, and, and go fishing and let the rest kind of fall into place. I, don't, I think there's, you know, regardless of the format, you know, whenever you show up to a lake, you either figure it out or you don't. You know, and if you figure it out, you're going to have a good event no matter what the format is. That's just, you know, there, now there's strategies within, you know, each particular format that are pretty common sense. You know, I mean, if you're fishing the Bass Pro Tour near the knockout round and, you know, you've got a safe buffer, then it's time to go practice. You know, I mean, that's common sense, you know, like, but it's a little bit more difficult in a five fish format when you don't know what the rest of the field has. And, you know, you don't know whether or not you're safe to actually go practice for the, the next day or not. You know, that's, that, you know, that's a little minute things that are pretty simple. You know, it doesn't really take a whole lot of strategy when it comes to all of that. But as far as it goes, man, I, you know, I think Major League Fishing does a great job, uh, you know, promoting us as anglers and giving us a platform to fish on. And I'm, I'm glad to be a part of, you know, that organization. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, it's, it's, it's just fishing to me. And it's that's the most important thing is that I have an opportunity to go out there and make a living doing what I love. And uh, that that's the most important thing to me. Very good. Good explanation. I, I love here. you know, everybody thinks, you know, yeah, catching fish, you know, it's all about catching fish, which, which, of course, it is. But there is strategy. And the rules do give you strategy. I remember last year I was at, uh, in Tulsa for the Red Crest, and uh, you know you're, you're positioning yourself to where you're going to be slotted the next day. And people were fishing, and all honestly, to, there were people that were uh, uh, fishing to end up in second for the day, which would position them to their strength the next day. And and most most people in the public don't look at something like that. They figure, hey, you want to win, you want to win all the time. Well, sometimes finishing second is is going to help you out to move forward. So it, it's interesting to see, and, and it's interesting to hear how you've got that figured out. I need to take a real quick break to let our sponsors have a word. I'm going to talk to you about your sponsors when we come back. This is We Fish ASA. I am Steve Surly, and I am pleased to be with. Mr. Dakota Ebear, the cowboy fisherman from Texas. He's uh, kicking butt and taking names, and we'll talk a little bit more with Dakota Ebear right after this. For most anglers, the unexpected is expected. But what you can do is take matters into the seat of your, well, shorts. Meet Aftco's Overboard Shorts, winner of the iCast Best in Category for Technical Clothing. Built with a 100% submersible pocket that keeps the unexpected dry dock for the other guy. Overboard keeps the good times rolling and your valuables safe for the next adventure. Overboard Shorts from Aftco. Learn more at aftco.com overboard. Bass anglers have heard it all when it comes to manufacturers having the best casting reel. Well, Daiwa can back it up with the Tatula SV. The Tatula SV has three key features that make it the most versatile casting reel on the market today. The SV spool is a lightweight aluminum spool allowing for long control light lure casting. MAG4Z gives you the option to set a precise casting range no matter what lure or wind situation. The Daiwa T-Wing system reduces line angle and friction when casting. 
distance, control, and finesse like no other reel on the market. Tatula, the ultimate finesse long cast system designed by Daiwa. The St. Croix story has evolved over 70 years. With gritty determination, St. Croix built the most advanced fishing rod facility in the world. And with it, a world-class brand that has earned the respect and admiration of anglers around the planet. We will continue to challenge ourselves, our employees, and our partners to be the best every day. We're proud to celebrate 70 years of passion and commitment to making the best rods on earth, St. Croix. Welcome back to We Fish ASA. I'm Steve Sarley, and I am here with Dakota Ebear, a young man who is really making a name for himself in the world of professional fishing. Welcome back, Dakota. Yeah, man. Glad to be here. You know, I said, your name has come up a couple of times uh, lately. There's a lot of really good young fishermen that are making their marks in the game of fishing. Uh, and your name's come up in the past couple of months a number of times when uh, the, the conversation turns to, to good young fishermen. Your name gets mentioned by a lot of people who are pretty famous. They'll say, hey, this guy's good, this guy's good. you got to keep an eye out for that Dakota Ebear. Man, he's good. Hey, uh, do, do you feel that buzz out there about yourself? Man, I, I really don't put a whole lot of uh, thought emphasis into that. You know, like I said, I I mean, it's great. It, it's, you know, it's, it's awesome to have the respect of guys and stuff. But, man, you know, it's just I'm just a simple guy from – you know, grew up in South Louisiana, loving and outdoors and stuff. And I don't really, I don't do it for that necessarily. I'd say, you know, I don't mean to sound wrong uh, about that, but you know, my mom's always calling me. She, you know, she's just really excited about everything. You know, she's the one to kind of raise me and stuff. And she's always talking about this, talking about that. She's like, you know, yesterday one of the TV shows aired you know, on the Outdoor Channel, and she was all excited about that. Or, you know, but for me, man, it's I just don't think about all that. It's just, just. Like I said, it's just fishing for me, man, and I, the rest of it comes with it. You know, as long as I can, you know, uh, be successful out there and represent the people that represent me, or that sponsor me, support me uh, well, and uh, make sure that I promote them well and do a good job for them, then, you know, at the end of the day, that's all that really matters to me. Yeah, for sure. Hey, uh, you, you hail, you're living in Brooklyn, Texas right now, right? Yes, sir. Yeah. What, what's, that, Brooklyn. what's that closest to? Uh, well, I'd say Sam. Uh, say that one more time. Down there on the south side of Sam Rayburn. Okay. And, uh, you know, it's, it's probably two hours, two and a half hours northeast of Houston. So just to give some kind of relative idea of where that's at. But, um, you know, it's kind of out in the middle of nowhere there. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Hey, you know what? Uh, so I, I would assume that Sam Rayburn is considered your home water. Yeah, so, you know, I've lived there for the last five years. I didn't grow up there. You know, I didn't start fishing there until, I think, 17. But, you know, as far as that goes, yeah, it, it, I do kind of consider it my home waters because I've honestly spent more time there than anywhere else, really, especially in the last, you know, five, five six years. You know, just I've spent a tremendous amount of time on Sam Rayburn just learning how to fish. And a lot of things I've learned there has helped me across the country. You know, it's just a very diverse fishery. Um you can catch fish in a lot of different ways. It's constantly changing, whether it be the water level. Uh, some years it has grass, some years it doesn't. 
you know, some years it's flooded, some years it's low. So it's always changing. It kind of keeps you on your toes and it really could teach you a lot. You know, that, that type of fishery uh, could teach you a lot about competing all over the country, honestly, because you just get, you know, you get exposed to a lot of different situations. You know, I, I always got to pay tribute whenever I have a, a somebody on from Texas. Uh, that, that that DNR down in Texas does an incredible job. Uh, you know, definitely far ahead of the game uh, in, in the DNR world is doing a great job. Uh, f- feel free to tell me what you think of Texas and the way they run their waters. Man, it's just, you know, it's really awesome to live in a state like that that cares about you know, their, their natural resources like that. And, and they're willing to invest, um, in them to see that, you know, the return and, and it's, it's just, it's very, very obvious to see the fruits of their labor. You know, I mean, it's, you know, our lakes are really good and there's a reason for that. You know, they've, they worked hard on doing the research and, <clears throat> and figuring out what works best to produce, you know, trophy lakes and, and good quality fisheries. And it's not just the bass it's crappie and it's everything, you know, it's, all you know it's just we have phenomenal lakes we really do uh, there's an ongoing constant battle with the aquatic vegetation and stuff kind of finding a happy medium balance with that but you know they honestly are they're working hard to kind of find that happy balance figuring out how to manage it best and you know like i said they've just done a great job you know i mean you just look at the results from you know the amount of 10 plus pound fish that have been caught in the state of texas in the last two years and it's absolutely unbelievable yeah for um, sure so, it's, you know, the thing is, you know, there's more interest in bass fishing or really just fishing in general now than there probably ever has been, especially after COVID. It seemed like everybody just really gained a lot of interest in being outdoors. And I think it's an awesome thing um, to see so many people on the water and to see so many people enjoying the outdoors. Uh, it's a great thing for people that are involved in the industry. And it's just a great thing to see people, you know, happy outdoors. But the thing is, is that you know, it's a renewable resource where we have to manage them appropriately. And with the increased pressure on these lakes and everything, I mean, it's 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 a great thing, but it, we have to manage them, you know, like I said, in the right way and, and make sure we, we continue to do things right to make sure there's, you know, these resources are available and for my kids down the road, you know, to enjoy the same way that I have. Excellent. Excellent. Excellent explanation. Your kids down the road, are, are, you're single, right? Well, actually, no. Uh, I have a girlfriend now. We're traveling to Minnesota right now as we speak. But uh, I've been single for a really long time, so this is kind of a new picture for me. But we've been having a lot of fun this summer, and uh, it's been really cool, actually. I just say, my, you know, when you start talking about your kids down the line, uh, has she been clued into this program? Well, say that again. One time. Hey, you're, you're talking about your kids down the line. I says, have you uh, have you clued her into this program yet uh, about the kids down the line, or is this just something you're thinking oh, she, about? She's kind of glaring at me right now a little bit, but <laughs> uh, no, man. I mean, that's something for way down the road. I'm I, I'm not, you know, uh, I don't know. I really put a lot of thought in all that, but you know, I mean, I would like to have a family and stuff one day, and. You know, that's what's really kind of driven me to work as hard as I have in this industry from the get-go. You know, whenever I got out of college, I looked at the situation and said, look, you know, it's me and I don't have any responsibilities other than myself and the few bills that I have. You know, I had a truck note. I had an old truck at the time I was paying, you know, a small note on. I had an old boat at the time. And I said, look, you know, this is uh, this is my opportunity to go while I don't have any other responsibilities other than myself. 
and my own financial, you know, situation, you know, knowing that somewhere down the road, I may have a family to support and all of that. That was really the biggest thing that kind of drove me to go as hard as I did at the beginning, especially and continue to do so now. So that one day, whenever I do have a family, maybe I can support them and, and support them doing something that I love doing. Yeah, you'll, you know, you'll, you'll be, fishing. But you'll, you've got to get established first, I feel like. You know, at that age, there's a couple different ways to go about doing it. There's guys that have went off and had successful businesses elsewhere, whether it be in the AC business or they had their own company, you know, or whatever. Just, you know, venture off and then they, you know, get to a point where the company's kind of managing themselves. Then they come back to the fishing industry. And there's nothing wrong with that. I think it's a lot probably smarter financially to do that. But for me, I kind of went all in right out of college while I was, you know, by myself and, you know, free basically of everything else and was able to just stay on the road all year and do that so that, you know, somewhere down the road, if I do have a family, I can, you know, be established enough in the industry to support them. And and, uh, and your girlfriend was aware of what you were doing when she met you? Oh, yeah. 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 She's from actually from Plattsburgh up around Champlain. And she, uh. She was very well aware of what she was getting into from the start. Now, actually, we're traveling now, so we're uh, we're it's a learning process, you know, for both of us. I'm having a, I've been traveling alone for the last you know five years, and and uh, so I'm learning it just as much as she is about you know all of that. But that's life, and it's a lot of fun, really, honestly. That's great. You know, I think it's wonderful. That, wonderful to have a traveling partner because I I think that's the hardest thing for you guys is spending all that time on the road, all those miles. It's just unbelievable how those miles add up. And uh, uh, I think you can burn out of that real quickly. But when you got somebody sitting in the seat next to you that you enjoy being with, it makes a big difference. Yeah, it really, I mean, it's a it's a tough thing. You know, I mean, I've only been home a couple of days this whole year. You know, uh, I actually flew home to, to Rayburn, uh, to there to Brooklyn last week, just for a couple of days, just kind of checking my place and stuff. And they ha- I, had, I have the best friends down there in the world. Really, I consider them all family, but they had a big welcome home party and stuff. It was really awesome to see them and, you know, just get to kind of put my feet on the ground a little bit, you know, for a couple of days before gearing up for this last event. But yeah, it's, you know, it's not often you can find someone that, you know, that you share the same interests with and gets to travel with and, and enjoy that you know this lifestyle with so you know i'm excited to kind of see where it goes and stuff but i think it's um, i think it's great i think it's great for you tell us about uh name some of your sponsors that uh, you would like to thank that help keep you on the water well man i mean there's a there's a whole list of people that have helped me get to where i'm at today i mean honestly i you know i i, I get frustrated because i always hear you know, all the negativity about the fishing industry and about how you can't make it unless you have this certain lifestyle or you have this, or, you know, born with a lot of money and all that. And that really wasn't me, honestly. I was just a kid with a dream that worked really hard. And I was fortunate enough through that to meet people that saw that passion and saw that drive that I had, and they were willing to help me. And I think that that goes a long ways, you know, and but there's too many to really go through okay. a name and everything, but, you know, but I, it's it's really a, a, a truly an awesome story from start to finish of how I ended up where I'm at. And it, it seemed like every time I reached a spot where there was a door closed and I didn't know how I was going to get through, another one opened and it just worked out. You know, and that's really the best way I can describe it. But you know, right now I've, I've been partnered with Tiger Creek Lodge there at Sam Rayburn and Turnaround Special Forces. They're a industrial company that does specialty welding on uh-huh. various types of metals and stuff in different refineries across the south. You know, down there around the Gulf Coast, especially, and the same guy owns both of those, and he's really stuck with me for the last couple of years. And 
I can't thank him enough for, you know, his support helping me get here. You know, it, 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 Tiger Creek's just a beautiful place there at Sam Rayburn. You can stay, and it's they can accommodate up to corporate trips or just weekend, you know, if it's just you and your family up, you know, for the weekend. Yeah. You want a nice place to stay on the water. You know, at Sam Rayburn, there's not a lot of places to really stay on the water because it's mainly owned by the Corps of Engineers. So they kind of have a unique little place there. So it's really, really a great place to stay, you know. But, and, uh, you know, it's just been, been awesome to have that kind of support back home. To help me get down the road. What's your biggest? What's your biggest bass ever? Well, it actually come from Sam Rayburn there, and it was an eleven pounder, like yeah. eleven. It was an eleven one, and I didn't even get big bass that day because one of my best friends had an eleven two that day. Oh, unbelievable! So, yeah. so do, do, do you ever, you know, do you ever get the 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 hankering under week? It's a man. I don't have any fishing to do this weekend. I'd really like to go fight a bull. Does, does that urge ever cross your mind? I, it crosses my mind all the time, honestly. And, you know, really, when I get back, whenever I'm able to get back into it more, I'll, I'll probably be a lot more on the roping side and not fool around with the rough stock as much just <laughs> uh, because, you know, I mean, yeah, it crosses my mind all the time, especially when I'm home and I don't have anything to do. And, like, you know, I've got, you know, right before I took this phone call, I was actually on the phone with a friend of mine who still rides bulls for a living. He's very, very good. He usually makes the NFR there in vegas every year now this year unfortunately he had a lot of injuries and stuff and wasn't able to really compete most of the year but uh he's still a great friend of mine and i still i'm still really close with several of those guys and and uh that i grew up rodeoing around and and you know we still talk all the time and it gives me the itch to go do it but i i mean i'm it's you got to be a little crazy but i i know you know, fortunately, I've got a lot of things going for me in the fishing industry right now. And if I go out there and break my leg, it's probably not going to be the best thing. No. Considering I've got, you know, all these people that are supportive me. And, you know, now I've got some really good sponsors and stuff that I'm working with. You know, I need to represent them. And I go out there and, you know, do something stupid. That's not really good for anybody involved. In this, uh, you're, you know, you're, a smart, deal, you're a smart young man. You're not going to do anything stupid. I can tell that. Well, you're, you're, you never know. You never know. I mean, I, you know, anything can happen. I mean, you could be walking to the boat ramp trip over a rock in the morning. Yeah, that's right. Lord knows I could do that. I'm, I'm pretty prone to tripping and falling and doing <laughs> stupid stuff. But, you know, I mean... Realistically, though, that's probably not my best interest right now to go step in the arena. <laughs> you are you are too cool, man. Thank you for being with us. He's Dakota Ebear, one of the hottest young fishermen in professional fishing today. He's doing great. And uh, the first cowboy we've ever had on. Yeah, he was, uh, he was hurting them bulls. Now he's uh, catching them fish. And he's just doing it all and we wish him the best hopefully we'll have you on again soon dakota ebear thank you very much for being with us have a great rest of the year hey man thanks i appreciate it we'll talk, we'll talk to you later talk to you soon take care yes sir goodbye that wraps up this week's edition of the we fish asa podcast the best start fishing show on the radio or the internet in the entire usa i'd like to thank today's guest dan johnston from st croix michelle jalaba professional fisherman extraordinaire fishing for team usa and usa bass also enjoyed visiting with the cowboy dakota ebear good guy good guy man is that guy smarter what great personality great fisherman he's gonna go far in this business i'd like to thank our sponsors st croix the best rides on earth calcutta makers of a lot of products that fit your fishing lifestyle and passion and daiwa 
They've got your bass covered. Boy, they sure do. Dial Reels. Remember that We Fish ASA presents a new episode of our podcast each and every week. It's available everywhere you get your podcasts. And don't forget to check out our website, wefishasa.com. If you like what you hear, let us know. If there's something you'd like to hear us talk about or someone we ought to have on the show, let us know that too. I'm Steve Sarley. My partner's David Kranz. We'll see you next week now. Let's go fishing. I'm professional angler Kevin Van Dam, and people always ask me, what's the best and easiest way to catch fish? Well, that's simple. Keep our waterways clean and free of litter. You know, tossing your worn out lures in the lake is not a winning move. Pitch them in the trash. Do your part and join me. Visit KeepAmericaFishing.org and pledge to pitch it.